0: Podcasts where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind. Usually over hookah. Enjoy.
1: Making shit up. That's not even trying to be. I know. That's not even trying to be scholarly about it or anything.
0: <laughs> well, and today is the hardest day because today was the day where, like, like I had my topic. I knew what I was going to write about. And I had been thinking about it. But the problem is, is, I hadn't been thinking about it enough because I had these two other papers that were due way beforehand. Right. So I've been thinking about them. And, um, you know, I suppose I could have just started writing the moment my second paper was due on the seventh. But uh, come on. Like, I wrote two papers, you know, like, like yep. I'd like two days off. Um <laughs> And so today, most of those, like, four, four and a half hours of me working were basically me just kind of, like, sitting like this, being like, okay, well, what can I do? You know, how am I going (laughs) to do this? I got an idea now. So, like, but now it's just I got to do a little more uh, reading just to.
1: And that's your last one until January, right? Last one until January. Wow, that's sweet. So. Knock it out, man. sooner you're done, the sooner you're done. you're right, you're right. <laughs> I figure tomorrow i'll I'll shoot to
0: write two thousand words and that'll make up for a good chunk of it and because it's just Saturday, it's no big deal. I gotta write a sermon yet, but I'll write the sermon quick and <laughs> not knock the two thousand words out, and then Sunday I'll write uh you know more, and then like I gotta like like I actually am a little flexible because it's Monday. And th- it's due on Tuesday. I only yeah. got one thing to do on Monday, but other than that, I can just write, you know, like, like it's, it's no big deal. You know, I, 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 if I really, really need to, I'll just keep writing, you know, I'll, What I'll are you writing it. about? So I'm writing about um, John Wesley, who is uh, the founder of oh, that old canard, <laughs> that old canard. And, uh, and, and another guy I've, I've talked to, I've talked uh, about in passing in the past called, Frederick Schleiermacher,
1: yeah,
0: and I'm writing about um their. That sounds
1: like a Friedrich.
0: Yeah, it's probably Friedrich, but I call <laughs> him frederick It's probably Friedrich, um, but I I uh, am writing about their um, theologies of feeling, uh-huh. and and the way in which uh, feeling sort of functions in their work and I'm probably overthinking it. I could probably just say that like for my paper, I'm writing about feeling and the way feeling works in them. And I don't have anything other than doing that. But like, (laughs) I I feel the drive to like, I am writing about that, but I feel the drive to like couch it in like, this is what my paper will be doing and, and it'll it'll be fine. But like, they, they've got similar um, ways of talking about stuff that I think is, I think is interesting. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to write about that. And the Schleiermacher, not to bore uh, listeners, but like <laughs> like Schleiermacher as this sort of German nineteenth century theologian sort of inherits all of this sort of Protestant baggage, and so like the quick and dirty thing is you've got don't church. we all
1: sort of inhabit inherit
0: pro- Protestant baggage? I mean, you're <laughs> right, you're right, you're right. Uh, the world is a Protestant world, all, all, at least this country is, you know, in many ways. But uh, so you've got like the church. And then the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox split happens in like that 1000. Yeah, and then you've got um, the Protestant Reformation in like 1500. And the right. Protestant Reformation happens, and they, a bunch of dirty Protestants do things that the Catholics really don't like. Not. Like like theologically now, in particular, you know they they make these theological moves that you couldn't get away with back when the Catholics ran the show, and you definitely couldn't get away with when the Eastern Orthodox ran the show. And um, after the Reformation, like like the first generation of theologians after the Reformation who are Protestant are like, God, we got to like try to make sense of some of this bullshit. Like, because some of this stuff that some of the stuff that the Protestant reformers are coming up with is, um, a little. Uh, loosely defined you know (laughs) and so like martin luther one of the protestant reformers wrote a ton about things like grace and faith and 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 uh how one is saved and all this stuff and a lot of it is interesting and strange to catholics but but the the lutherans and many of the other protestants are like "Ooh, well this is i like this this is great and then luther says things like also god is totally hidden and we don't know who god is and everybody's like what and, and luther's like also like you know if we did know who god was we probably hate him because he's terrifying and almost certainly a tyrant have faith in him <laughs> you know and, and everybody's like uh okay you know and and the Catholics, the Catholics are just shaking their head like, what a fucking fool, you know, Like, like <laughs> good luck with it. Or like John Calvin, who's, you know, way more smart than Luther. Yeah. But then like throws out this old chestnut, like God is so magnificently sovereign and he's so full of grace that that there isn't anything you can do to earn your salvation. God, if you're saved, God has God us granted that grace to you without any effort on yourself so don't even try never and, and you've got all these like try hard goody goody people who are like i can be free i don't have to i don't have to be a neurotic anxious asshole about it and he's like yeah also god definitely preordained some to go to heaven and some to go to hell we don't know which is which but that's definitely what happened huh yeah (laughs) like like, what (laughs) yeah oh yeah it definitely happened and so like the first generation of protestant theologians are like so what do these people mean like what are what are we trying to do and and we we come up with a lot of these gymnastic moves yeah i was gonna say
1: sounds like revisionist history in Mm -hmm. history
0: (laughs) yeah so we come up with all these gymnastics moves and um schleiermacher as a 19th century guy he's a very late eighteenth century. He, for, you know, first couple of decades of the nineteenth century is like really good Nazi.
1: Friends. So that's good.
0: Yeah, he's not a Nazi. <laughs> <Free> <laughs> that's, Nazi. That's, that's solid. Like Schleiermacher is like really good friends with people like David Hume, and like <laughs> like he he like knows these like Enlightenment thinkers. Like he knows them, you know. Yeah. And um, and and he's like, hmm, well. There's a lot of bullshit in Protestantism that maybe we can just, uh, we can just kind of get rid of, you know, like we don't, <laughs> do we need to really, is this really that important? And Wesley, Wesley is um, a generation before Schleiermacher. He's also not German, he's English. And Wesley is a part of this, uh, the Methodists who have a sort of a common ancestor with Schleiermacher. Schleiermacher, is a, a, a pietist or, or is from pietist stock. And the pietists are, are this sort of um, Protestant re- reforming group within the Reformation that, that emphasize things like personal transformation. And, you know, it's not really all that important to know things about like the Trinity and stuff like that. Like what's really more important is that we're becoming better people. And like Wesley wesley is influenced by the pietists and
1: so is schleiermacher they're just a generation removed and so they're like they're like early protestant hipsters yeah actually in a certain way yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and wesley i mean i i love wesley i like wesley a lot he was a neurotic little weirdo but man he wesley um his instincts like like his in, his theological and pastoral instincts wesley's were very very sharp like it was a lot of, it was a lot of, Hey, you should definitely free your slaves. Like definitely do that. Yeah. Everybody's like, Wes, it like, come on, Wesley Wesley's like, no man, I'm fucking serious. Like read the Bible, you know, read, read, the, read the book Free your, free your fucking slaves, you know, or like, or like, Hey, Wesley is like one of the first per like people to just sort of make, please do not be an asshole into like a theological commitment without like needing to do a lot of weird stuff. You know, he doesn't have to justify, Hey, don't be an asshole by like appealing to X, you know, he's just like, don't be an asshole, you know? <laughs> um, and Schleiermark, the, the, so the common, the common thread between the two, I'll wrap this part up. The common thread between the two is this, um, this question of, well, well, like what is, what is properly religious? Because Wesley's sort of at the cusp of, of this Enlightenment thing. Wesley wasn't like a weird conservative. Like Wesley thought a lot of the scientific revolution stuff was really, really interesting. And he was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like I, he, he wasn't at all intimidated by like some of the moves biologists were making. Like he, he thought all that was really interesting. And Schleiermacher is like, dead center in the middle of it like Schleimacher's, like yeah darwin's probably right you know like, like all these people you know it's probably true you know and so the common question that they have is well if religion is not if we can't just point to here is the science of religion you know if that's just not how that works right not that, not that anybody really thought that's how it worked but like but like now, now you definitely can't say that. You definitely can't be like, "There it is." Um, like, a- as the Enlightenment is sort of saying, "Well, here is here is our place. This is where we're conducting knowledge." Wesley and Schleiermacher have a common question, which is, "Well, okay, well, where do where do we conduct our knowledge as pastors and theologians and religious people?" And Wesley. And Schleiermacher both sort of independently come up with this um, affective sort of feeling-based experiential language to talk about God and the knowledge of God and, and um, uh, religion and all this stuff, like um, this is one of the reasons you've known me a while now. Like, this is why I, I often lean on this. It's not that I lean on it all the time, but like, because I like my whole logical arguments as well. But like, <laughs> I often lean on Wesley just saying it's about it's about your feelings. And mm-hmm. Scheimacher says that, too, in very different ways. And then their critics are always like, so it's just a feeling. And uh, and Wesley and Scheimacher both are like, you and I both know that nothing is ever just a feeling right you don't don't be reductionist and stupid you know like (laughs) like schleiermacher one of there's a piece that i'm reading for my paper which is schleiermacher performed his own son's funeral schleiermacher's eight-year-old son like got sick and died like in his arms and and schleiermacher i know man (laughs) (laughs) the sermon at nathaniel's graveside is this this is what the sermon is called And, and it's, you know, 18, I think Nathaniel died 1822, 1822. And, and it's, it, Scharmacher is just, it reads so contemporary. It's so modern. There's the, the translation is very good. And, um, you know, Scharmacher doesn't sit and get real preachy, but, but he delivers his funeral eulogy for his son and it's really gut wrenching and it's really, it's very good. And, you know, and and in it, he he just sort of reminds the the crowd his all his wife is there, his the rest of their children are there, you know the Nathaniel school is there. God, there's this awful moment in the sermon where he's just Schleiermacher is just so grateful to the school marm that has been teaching Nathaniel. <laughs> you know, like he's like it's like thank you for loving my son, and I was like oh fuck you Schleiermacher, you know, and <laughs> and uh, and and Schleiermacher's like, you know, we, we know as as religious people as as people you know looking to towards the redeemer towards jesus for our guidance we know we know that love is never just a feeling it's 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 an all-encompassing holistic human thing and and the the feelings that we feel here are not um in and of themselves just themselves they're they're reflective of a much wider deeper reality which is all of our relationships with each other, and our relationship with Nathaniel, and how we stand before God, and all of this stuff. So, um, this, there's this reductionistic argument that both Wesley and Schleiermacher, because Wesley has stuff like this too, um, retreat. They they back away from the Enlightenment, and they say, "Okay, sorry, sorry, Mister Enlightenment people, you can have your science and your social studies and all of that, and we'll just we'll just be you know hippies." And I'm like, no, like, that's not how any of that worked. Like they, they were just like, well, you know, this is how people, this is a dimension of human life that really means something, you know, and Schleiermacher liked art. Wesley liked art too, but Schleiermacher Mm. was a little more cultured than Wesley. And so Schleiermacher was always, was always like, you know, go, go listen to, uh, go listen to a, a, a beautiful symphony. And tell me that what you're feeling is just a feeling like, like, okay. no, I mean, it's, it, it's the sum product of human endeavor and, and gorgeousness and, and all of these
1: things. And he's like, why can't God be like that? And I'm like, yeah. So The only, funny. the only thing I, the only thing I balk at with that is uh, when, when, when you don't have any kind of consistency sure. for, or, or any kind of, um, I guess, consensus with others, because if you're just going based on feeling, if you're just going based on emotion, it's so subjective, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, two people in Texas might think they're both doing God's work, one being on this side of the abortion argument and one being on that side of the abortion argument based on their feelings, and they can't both be right, you know, so, like, that's the only thing I would balk at with that. I I like the idea, um, but it's just not concrete enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so what do you think about that i'm glad you, you thanks for thanks for this um so <laughs> they, so so
0: both wesley and schleiermacher you're recording this right yes we are good you get about six seven hundred words for your paper <laughs> i hope so both wesley <laughs> and schleiermacher um uh anticipate that and and are also disturbed by that you know and and they both um like schleiermacher's not reading wesley there's no like wesley wesley they're removed by about by about one generation, but, like, it's not as though Schleiermacher is hanging out in England yeah. and being like, tell me about this John fellow, like, like right. Schleiermacher's doing his own thing in the University of Berlin. Um, but, like, they're both independently sense that, like, this, this sort of feeling language uh, has to be grounded in, in a community. Right. That that yes, on one hand, the individual experience of redemption really is communicated to individuals by the spirit, or, or or what have you, like, and that's and that's a real thing. It's a true thing. It's a good thing. Um, that being said, the feeling as what's called an epistemology. So epistemology is just a very pretentious word for how we know stuff. Like like, mm-hmm. where's the source of our knowledge? a feeling as an epistemology is for both Wesley and Schleiermacher over and over and over rooted in the community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, and so your, your concern with consensus, they have that exact concern, right? Like, like their, their concern is yes. Like, like on one hand, your personal individual experience, you know, inward experience of salvation, very important. Your yeah, that's
1: personal... all. That's all. All that Zen shit. That's great. You know. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> right? they, and,
0: and they're like your personal internal experience of the presence of God. Very important for transformation. Like, like transformation is very good, good and important. It's key. This is how we become not assholes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. The moment you begin to be like God has spoke to me and said X, Schleiermacher and Wesley are like, hmm, like, uh, <laughs> you think. Well, if God has spoken to you and said, um, this is my child whom I love, then they'd go, great, you know, like, yeah. like that, is, that is a good thing, because that is what God says to us when he speaks to us. Uh, how do we know this? Well, we know this because of a, of a really rich matrix of tradition, logic, the scriptures, and the consensus of the church.
1: Right. and it's and, rooted
0: in something exactly and and so when we begin to um we must be suspicious of our inward feelings if they begin to sort of lead us towards um brushing up against the consensus of the church and like and this 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 is also not a perfect thing like like and schleiermacher senses that too schleiermacher in particular senses that where where he's he's sort of at a different phase in the world than wesley is wesley is sort of this reformer of the church of england and it's like okay well the church of england could definitely be better but that being said like i'm still you know wesley was a monarchist as well like that being mm-hmm. said i'm loyal to crown and church you know and 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 like if if i really was preaching something that that really was ultimately against the teachings of the anglican church i i there would be a problem with me and a problem with the Methodist bands, the Methodist communities that I'm founding, But I'm not, I'm preaching a doctrine that's compatible with the, with the Anglican church um, in these ways. For Schleiermacher, there's a sense in which the enlightenment has made the, the, the consensus of the church a little trickier. And so it, and instead it, it becomes, um, uh, uh, it's not that it becomes looser, It's more that it becomes, um, there are multiple ways now that we can determine what the community is that we're beholden to. Schleiermacher has a a slightly different view of that Um, because Schleiermacher is also decidedly low church in a way Wesley is not. Wesley, Wesley thinks priests are great. Schleiermacher's like priests maybe should be getting rid of every couple of years. You know, so <laughs> pri- priests are sort of okay, you know, <laughs> sometimes. Um but uh, but mostly the thing that I think is really interesting about them both, and then it'll be my wrap up unless you have some questions, which I love to Oh, yet. I do have questions, but go ahead. terrific. So so the two th- <laughs> the thing the thing that I think is interesting about both of them, this is a commonality for them, is um there is a, a, a real sense in which the, the, um, the, the feeling, the experience um, is supposed to mirror uh, God's experience of God's self, which I find this is particularly true in Wesley. Which, but this is something that I find really interesting, like, like proper religious experience, as Wesley is concerned, so proper religious feeling, um, is supposed to take us into um, into God's life and into what we might say, the experience of God, like, like who experiences God? Well, the first person that experiences God is God, which is kind of a (laughs) weird thing to say, but like Wesley's like, no, it's true. Like, like that's, that's the first, the first one who experiences God is God himself. And, and, and our experience of God, which is mediated by God, is, is ultimately just us participating in God's experience, mm-hmm. um, which, which means for Wesley, it's the experience of both love and holiness or love and morality. Mm-hmm. And so it, so the, the proper experience of God is, if we, if we experience, uh, we know we've experienced God when two things have happened. One, we encounter unfathomable love and um and a depth of convicting morality. And so if we walk out of our experience of God, knowing, knowing, A, my God, I and you are so deeply loved. And if we walk out of that experience also going, my gosh, we must change our lives. We must, we must reorient our lives in, in, in a way in which we have let go of our sin. We've let go of the evil things we do to one another. Um, those two things have to happen at the same time. If you, if you, in other words, Wesley really mistrusts, like speaking in tongues. Like Wesley was like, mm, no, 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 Or Wesley, Wesley mistrusts, like oracles. Like I've encountered God, and Wesley's like, mm, maybe not. Um, Schleiermacher does a similar thing. Like for Schleiermacher, the root feeling that the proper root feeling is dependence. If we if we enter in, if we feel God, the feeling of God is a feeling of absolute dependence. It's a feeling of us realizing and, and, and a sort of a gratitude that comes forth in us of, of just how radically dependent we are on God. And then that, dep- that feeling of dependence then inculcates our um, piety or our our, our life our, our religious life before God and so why do I feed the hungry for, for Schleiermacher the Christian feeds the hungry for they because God feeds them right you know the Christian why does the Christian visit those in prison? the Christian visits those in prison because they are radically dependent on God and they know it and and that they themselves are not autonomous beings and so to treat, themselves as autonomous beings and then to say to other people who are in need. No, 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 no. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, fucker. You know, like like <laughs> is is the wrong thing in the world. Like like for Schleiermacher, no, 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 the feeling of absolute dependence sort of inculcates the whole entirety of the Christian life and it's and and I I find those visions to be really uh, helpful.
1: Right. I just find it I find it so difficult to um, determine who to trust or who to who to who to verify with because like if you look at well obviously Sch- Schleiermacher and Wesley never had to deal with social media <laughs> right no, so one of the things that you had mentioned was uh, sort of this community um the sense of of community acceptance or community approval to kind of yeah. mm-hmm. make sure you're on the right path nowadays you can find whatever community you want you're you will right. find a community is going to back up whatever it is. You think, you know, the Westboro Baptist church will tell you that God hates fags. You know, there, right. there are communities out there that will embrace whatever crazy notion you have. So that, that complicates things. Um, you look at things in the scripture where, you know, it talks about, you know, taking care of your slaves or obeying your obeying slaves should obey their masters. And obviously that's not correct, you right. know? So, because slavery shouldn't exist in the first place, but it's in the scripture. So like, where do you, where do you draw the line? How do you know that you're on the right path? Now? I, I think it's kind of like the the Supreme court definition of pornography. You know, I, I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think for, for people that are really in tune with Christianity and really in tune with, with, with God, um, you kind of know it when you see it, you know it when you feel it, but, uh, it's just so uh, me being such a doubtful person, you know, (laughs) uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, um, be able to trust that feeling because there's so many other factors involved and so many other, uh, acquaintances one can make. And so many other sources one can draw from so many other, so many other communities one can be supported by that. You can pretty much justify just about anything. And uh, that's where, that's what's, that's what's so, um, harrowing about the, th- the the whole thing to me I mean I, I don't think that like Schleiermacher and and Wesley are talking about you know um specific um sort of specific issues or specific specific political issues or political right. or, or, or things like that I think they're talking more of, on a spiritual level but I mean it's when 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 one talks about religion or one talks about one's faith it's hard to distinguish between the two.
0: I agree. No, I really do. I really do. I mean, you know, I agree about that last part. Yes. That's the center ultimately of, of what I'm studying and what I'm interested in. But um I I actually I actually think your your doubt is serving you very well. I think it always does, but I think your doubt is serving you really well with this, because this turn to community is something that Christian theologians have been doing for a while in in one form or another. Um, but this turn to community has been a popular thing among contemporary theologians, at least for the last maybe thirty five forty years and um and I think it is not working anymore for the yeah. the exact reasons that yeah. you've brought up um I think that Wesley's vision compared to schleiermacher uh is has a little bit more um potential in our day and age. And that's only because Wesley had in mind the kind of a cultivation of small communities, like part of Wesley's uh, strategy for, for like church renewal was not to plant churches, um, but instead to sort of renew congregations by cultivating uh, what he called bands, Methodist mm-hmm. bands. And, and basically the whole idea was, um, of folks in communities so like folks in like your sur- immediate surrounding town right um, would would cultivate um,
1: intentional sort of holy community together
0: um, and I think that I think that well, that
1: makes sense I mean it's a lot harder to hate somebody that you know I yeah, mean you're right. you're right you can you can hate somebody that you know but I mean to to really like I mean it, it, it's much much easier to to point the finger at and blame or or whatever somebody else some some other some random other than it is like joe across the street you know (laughs) you're right you're right that's a good way to to start is to to build those communities
0: i completely agree and and so i think that wesley's vision has some potential in our day and age like to to even take because i think wesley's vision could even work in the internet model too right like you can still cultivate you know certain kinds of intentional community um, small intentional community through using the internet and, and and you could you can do things like that but i think by and large the um the way the social social media is working makes the turn makes the contemporary turn to community the turn to community that we've done in the last 35 years um not as effective the reason why we turned to community in the last 35 years is because of the the question of authority and so when we because because increasingly biblical fundamentalists even though it feels like they're proliferating they're not like increasingly they're being moved to the margins you know the the belief in a biblical fundamentalism the belief that says if it's in the bible that's your authority that is an increasingly marginalized position and has always been a marginalized position but we now now because of those people, we can't non-fundamentalists can't just say, well, what about the Bible as a source of authority? Because right. then everybody's like, no, that's not that's not going to work. You know, yeah. and so
1: we go, yeah, you're right. The Bible on its own is not working. Well, what about and I reason? think that the, the, the yeah the position of those of those sorts of sort of fringe mentalities? They're they're not as popular and they're not as widespread as most people would be led to believe because when you get into the online echo chamber, you find other like-minded individuals. We always seem to amplify the most extremist views. We, you know, the, not, the, 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 the farthest out there, the flat earthers are the ones that are going to make the news because they're interesting and we can all get together and laugh at them, which is in a community of itself in a way you sitting around laughing at flat earthers. But like the point is, like the, there there's not as many out there as one would think but we we hear all these arguments much more loudly i mean it used to be you know if you if you held uh racist or sexist or or whatever kind of beliefs you kept that shit like under the table that's why clan meetings were secret you know right. <laughs> and now we can march march down charles and down in uh downtown charleston with our freaking tiki torches like (laughs) because it's been able to be amplified even though i don't think it's any more widespread and like you said it may it may actually be diminishing
0: no you're i think you're right i think i think that's exactly right um the the turn to community then is is sort of the churches or, or these are church theologians way of kind of rooting and making sense of things like how do we read the bible what counts as tradition what counts as experience well like the turn to community helps us know that yeah sure maybe but i actually think it's a little even a little more complicated than that because you know communities don't just spring from nothing communities also spring from a whole host of um ways of understanding the world, ways of reading the Bible, ways of of reasoning. So like even reason is not just sort of doesn't just sort of exist, right? Like we don't we don't have access to universal reason. I think some things are totally I know. (laughs) I think I think that some (laughs) things are totally unreasonable. But like all you have to do is sit for you know five seconds with I don't know Tucker Carlson which I wouldn't recommend. And, and, and you realize that, that you're in can't, you're engaging with somebody who, who even if he himself is, is disingenuous, is trying to present himself as a reasonable thinker, like, like be reasonable with me. And then he spouts bullshit. Well, that's a kind of logic. Like, like, yeah, we can say this, this is totally absurd. It's totally ridiculous for these reasons, but like, it's, it's not a, um, the people who espouse it wouldn't say it's it's a kind of sort of gut emotionalism, even though that's exactly what it is. Um, well, that's because their community says it's not. You know, right. <laughs> their community says this is reason, and and perhaps the belief that all human beings, especially poor people, are people. Maybe that's gut emotionalism, huh? Right. Lefties, you know, <laughs> like like. And so we, the turn to community, I agree with you. I think has sort of failed us. And so I think that um, for me, I've I'm, I've gotten away from it in, in my own writing, where I'm like, I just don't know if it works. Like, I can't say the Methodist Church thinks this, because well, the Methodist Church thinks a million things. Yeah, you know, like like the, I can't say the Catholics think this, because it's been proven, especially it's always been that way. All all denominations have dissenters, but it's but it's especially now the case that like. We have radical dissenters all over the place. We have American Catholic bishops saying, wouldn't it be great if the Pope were Catholic? I'm like, it's the fucking Pope. <laughs> <laughs> He's the
1: most Catholic. You know, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. you know. and, and I'm sure that those dissents have always been there. It's just, we didn't hear them before. You know, they were, they were not publicized. They were not popular opinion. They were not, they were not as accessible to everyone to get those opinions. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it really does skew our our uh, our mentality because when we we have this notion that things are so much more prolific than they really are, they're they're really not that prolific.
0: No, I don't think they are. I don't think they are, and that's okay. That's it's kind of a
1: it makes me feel better about things when I think about it that way. You know, I'm like, oh my god look at all the terrible nastiness in the world or or on six o'clock news or whatever. And I have to remind myself, well, it's not really that common. You know, I'm only hearing about it because it's uncommon. You know, if it was, if it was normal, it wouldn't be
0: news. (laughs) You're Right. You're right. You're right.
1: Um, I think that's exactly
0: correct. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about with Wesley and Schleiermacher. It's been cool because, you know, I just had this class on Schleiermacher. And so like I'm fresh with him, but, going back to Wesley always reminds Mm -hmm. me how, just how much I think Wesley, just how much I think Wesley's instincts were right. Like, that's the best way to put it. Like, do I subscribe to everything that guy says exactly how he says it? No. But like, but like, if you transplanted, like, his his instincts into somebody now, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's exactly right, dude. Like, like, some wacky dude, some wacky Englishman from the 1700s is hanging out, being like, Just "Don't be a fucking asshole."
1: Um, like,
0: you know, it doesn't about,
1: sound like that hard of a concept that, either. You know? Really, you
0: know, like, like, or, or, like, you know, Mr. Wesley. Yes, like, how do you approve of these these people drinking wine? He's like, "Yeah, like, oh, I care." Like, come on, brother. Like, like, what is wrong with you? You know. And then, like, and then the other sort of theological nerdiness, right? Like that, I think he's, I think he's right about, you know. Well,
1: you know, I think that the theological nerdiness, at least for me, anyway, is one of those things that really does add credibility to a viewpoint, right? Because being an inquisitive mind that I have, you know, if you believe something, if you, if you espouse something, I want to know what your reasoning is, and if you can't back that up, I'm going to tune you out awful quick you know so so that's part of the verification process for me you know uh so that's scholarly intellectualism that kind of knowledge of the tradition knowledge of history knowledge of the philosophy and being able to articulate it is extremely important and to me anyway it is Um, not not everyone feels that way but um yeah well i don't (laughs) understand those people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand those
0: people at all. But, but I mean, but, I yeah. think
1: that's one of the first steps in, in that sort of verification process. When we when we cross the line between, you know, following a scripture, following an emotion, and we, we come to our own sort of experience with God, a lot of it for me um, c- can be verified in a way by talking to scholars about it because people have thought about this before. I'm not the first person to come up with these ideas, you know, and to have a rational conversation is, is more productive towards my own spiritual journey than, than to just absorb what my community is saying or to, you know, observe what, you know, some pundit or somebody is saying, it, it it, it helps me kind of think through it. So you know, that's why I, I like these kind of conversations.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love these things with you and with anybody, but especially with you, because your questions are always really good and and your and and like y- your instincts are great. Like that's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why you're my friend and I like you. But like it's also one of the reasons why I get along with and, and think your your questions are so good because because you can sense how uh, a viewpoint can go off the rails really fast. Yeah. Um, and then you can also sense if it's explained to you in a way that like, like you said, that that has some kind of weight behind it that you can understand, like you can then also sense how it is an effective viewpoint, like you can be right. like, even though it can go off the rails here, I actually do see its merit, I see right. why it's presented that way. Um, for me, I think, it's, I think it's great for me, the I, I'm able to trust a viewpoint Um, In the theology world, even if I disagree with it, I'm able to trust it. If I can tell it is coming from a place of of somebody who is really trying to get it right in in, in the correct way, you know, right,
1: without some sort of a a hidden agenda or without some sort of, you know, angle
0: exactly like like right. not not get it right in this obnoxious way like I must be right but right. get it right in this existential way like like sure a good correct.
1: a good faith argument yeah right? yeah, yeah a good faith belief yes I agree with you that's important mm-hmm. and I can
0: and 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 if somebody is doing that I can stomach all kinds of approaches right like like I I am not as um progressive theologically as some of my colleagues are you know like like I'm progressive pretty progressive politically and socially but theologically like i i you know i i'm not I, i'm not as uptight about it as some of the people who believe what i believe are but like right. like by and large i i'm fairly you know i would say orthodox
1: yeah
0: um but like i'm willing to listen to all kinds of thinkers social thinkers theological thinkers whatever who i probably will disagree with but will trust their opinion if i can tell well this is a person who really just wants to make the world a better place who wants to who wants to speak the truth as well as they can who does not want to be an asshole right you know and and is just trying to be you know to to say what is true that well, is I think
1: cool. that that adds a lot to the authenticity of your message and your and your thoughts as well because like i find that when people get defensive or people get upset it's because their own arguments aren't that solid. Like yeah. <laughs> if you really believe what you say you believed, then why are you so mad? Why are you mad, bro? You were right? you mad? Are like, are you mad?
0: <laughs> no. So you're like
1: right. if if you had that strength of conviction, if you had that that certainty that you that you were correct and I was incorrect, then why are you losing your shit whenever we're talking about it? Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. My one of my favorite you know, maybe by way of wrapping this part up, and then we can uh, uh, chat quickly about um, this most recent episode of Wheel of Time. No, we can't because
1: I have postponed watching it so that I could talk to you, my friend. (laughs) Well, not this one. I haven't watched the one that was released today. I mean, last week. So
0: don't you worry (laughs) about that. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) Yes, Um, I'm all in for that. Okay. Um, One of my favorite uh, thinkers to read, even though increasingly I've become distant from him theologically, is David Bentley Hart which I've talked to you about in the past. Yeah. And um, Dave Bentley Hart, sort of an asshole, but, but he's really this brilliant guy. He's just an asshole one-on-one. Um, <laughs> but he um, translated the New Testament. He's this big theologian. He's a Greek scholar. He does all this stuff. He has a translation of the New Testament and um, that I would recommend. And, and the companion piece of theology he published with that New Testament translation is this little book in which he says universal salvation is almost certainly true. Nobody goes to hell, you know, get over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and I find the book compelling. I also don't think anybody goes to hell. Um, and, and I, I think his, his arguments are, are quite good. And one of the um, uh, interviews I listened to, I think sums up this conversation we're having really well, where, where the interviewee, not in a mean way, but the interviewer was like, Dr. Hart, like there are there's there's thousands of years of churches of Christian tradition that really does say that that the New Testament does in fact proclaim some kind of eternal hell. Why why is your interpretation correct? Like, like mm-hmm. you know, you're it feels like it's coming out of nowhere. And David Billinghart's Hart's like Well, first of all, like, as I say in the book, and as we say over and over, Christian universalism has been a thread in the church since the beginning, like, there's, there's people and very smart people in every age of the church who were like, yeah, nobody goes to hell you know like like so we'll start with that by the way including schleiermacher schleiermacher did not think anybody goes down yeah. but uh wesley did unfortunately but yeah i, I, don't, I can't say much about yeah,
1: that you can't knock them out of the yeah park, right? they're
0: not it's not run every time wesley <laughs> um but like david it's like, so first of all no the church has not unilaterally said hell is real and many of us are going there um two the new testament definitely does not say that there is an eternal hell Mm -hmm. i translated it it's (laughs) not there you know like like, i'm sorry (laughs) to tell you it's not there um uh, and and then third and i think this was this is sort of a key component for me third he's like even if it did say there was an eternal hell fuck it (laughs) 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 you know it's wrong to believe that (laughs) <laughs> and, and it would also be wrong if God did that. Yeah. And so fuck that. Like like yeah. there's we we already know that. Like there's lots and these and David Rindley Hart's like, there's lots of things in the Bible that we all know are wrong. We all know yeah. that. You know why? It's because we don't do them. You know, we don't <laughs> do them or talk about them or demand that they're inscribed in law. We talk about that at, at Kerwinsville when we when when the, the, the topic of LGBTQ folks always would come up. The five texts about LGBTQ, you know, stuff in the Bible that people cite, the clobber verses that people are like, this is why being gay is bad. Almost every one of them do not say being gay is bad. Instead, they say things like murder the gays rip them apart (laughs) throw them in prison like nobody's doing that nobody's advocating for that so we know we know that that's wrong we know that when the bible says things like don't mix your fabrics or we'll fucking kill you you we know that that's incorrect right we know it we know it when the bible (laughs) assumes the earth is flat most of the world knows that's not true like where where does it do that it is now that gets tricky like like that's that's (laughs) a does the bible say the earth is flat no the bible assumes a you know the the ancient hebrew cosmology of how the world looked and so the ancient hebrews believed that the earth was ultimately a um sort of sort of like a snow globe (laughs) basically you know they they lived on the flat part and then it it was ensconced with the firmament you know and so and so there are certain poetic moments in like Psalms. And there's also um, scholars when, 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 the, uh, when they're reading things like the history books of the scriptures or certain other things like some of the um, time illusions and the geographic illusions and, and things like that only could, could work based on this like way of viewing cosmology. Right. Um, and some of like the euphemisms that are used like like basically just reflect that like they they do not have in mind a round, you know, Magellan going around right. the earth like like that's not that's not what's there. Right. Um, so so we know that's wrong. Like there are there are things in the Bible we know are wrong and um, and we interpret them through these other lenses that are not biblical lenses some of them are actually we interpret them like jesus does you know we interpret jesus jesus breaks all kinds of old testament laws and it just goes i don't give a shit that i'm breaking them you know because of these reasons and so like that attitude that like even if the bible did say this that is not a good enough reason for me you know is correct uh,
1: the the question is, you know, whether or not you believe in the infallibility of the Bible, which, like, I don't know where that authority originally came from. But, like, uh, anything written by people is going to have errors in it, yeah, <laughs> you know. And the Bible was, I'm sorry to say, the Bible was written by people. Exactly. So, exactly. The, the
0: the quick and dirty version uh, is is like... The the sort of infallible authority of the Bible is is largely a Protestant invention. Um, Martin Luther ter- coins a term called "sola scriptura," so scripture alone. That's not a that's not necessarily a biblical literalism of Martin Luther. That's Martin Luther sort of trying to differentiate himself from the Catholics. Where, where he's he's like he's like you guys have your rituals and your traditions and your popes well we have the bible you know All right and, and now martin luther is not a literalist but like that's sort of what he means by sola scriptura but,
1: but every time it seems to come up that the of the the authority of the bible the uh, the unquestioned authority of the bible it seems to be in an effort to quash an argument Right. right it seems you're to right. be a, a a dominant move it seems to be a power play uh which doesn't really jibe with the themes in the bible you're when right. you're talking about the the will of god like it's not about domination it's about servitude mm-hmm. it's not <laughs> mm-hmm. so it seems in, in direct opposition to the message In the text, whenever you're saying, "Well, this is the ultimate authority," and all you're doing it is to kind of drop the mic on someone. You're right. You're right. I I think that to me that's always
0: a red flag. The moment you're 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 working with a Christian or somebody who's who's talking about this stuff, and they really care about where you're deriving your authority. Yeah, Uh, friend. You know, usually when I hear that, I'm like, "Friend, first of all, you're envisioning that you and that we're in this weird." competitive fight it's not like like we're we're not we're not here to we're we're not here to try to one-up each other if i win the argument quote-unquote i don't get your wife at the end of it like like (laughs) it's all fine like there there is no we're not we're not in political competition here like where i derive my authority i'm just talking to you about what i think is true like like there there is no there's none of that like um, that's always a bad sign to me, you know. From whence is your authority come? And like, and lots of people talk like that. That's not just a conservative, you know, or progressive thing. Right? Like people from all sides of and all and all facets facets of Christianity uh, care way too much about authority. And I and I sit there and I go, ah, whatever, you know. Every theologian worth their salt, conservative or liberal, progressive, liberationist, anything of course uses the bible as a source of insight like like, like every
1: one of them do but insight you know? is different than authority you're right. Right? Insight, you're right i mean i want to know your sources i want to know the reasons why you think the way you think or the the reasons why you're espousing the position that you're espousing but i don't need you to like try to dominate me with like this this ace card that, yeah. that can't be questioned that can't be you know that can't be argued against or or, you know there is no there is no hard and fast you know ace card that you that one can and as soon as one tries to pull that that, that's when i start tuning out you know so it's really important that you can articulate your views and articulate your reasons for your views without um trying to quash the argument
0: i agree i agree you would do great in seminary i always (laughs) say that I try to tell everybody to go to seminary now. Go to seminary, you
1: know, it's fun.
0: Why not? That's um, great. No, I. There's every, too many. There's too many oaths. That's what I'm. Too many, many oaths. <laughs> no, You go to. i like, like you don't
1: have to be a pastor. You just go to seminary, get your your theology degree, and well, you like, know, cool if I man. get an extra hundred twenty thousand dollars or whatever it costs to go, maybe I'll check it out. But. We, yeah, <laughs>
0: just saying,
1: just saying. Do you want to?
0: Um, We'll do another Wheel of Time bonus content. Let let's let's wrap up this right and then we'll go into the bonus content. Friends, thanks for listening. this has been an episode of Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan. We will see you next time.